Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch Track Podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I am the Dude. And I am Grim, and today we are very excited to be discussing Inner Speaker by Tame Impala, their first studio album, and I might say my favorite. Ooh, your favorite. Actually, not uh, even might. That's that's a definitive. That is a I figured you I thought you were gonna say slow rush, but we'll get into that <laughs> yeah yeah no well i think it's definitely my favorite our favorite these are the first ones we heard it was you know inner speaker and lonerism those were the first oh, two i yeah. think I, I listened to the both of those like simultaneously and those are the ones i really got really got hooked into oh i so. had i had inner speaker for just a while i was kind of i had been jamming with these guys and they kind of they kind of got me into that like early, and I was uh-huh. it was like the music that I had been waiting to hear. You know what I mean? Your because whole it, life. your whole life. Well, I, I don't know about my whole life, but at that time, like for a new for a new band to come out with stuff that oh. sounded like that, and then I it read about it, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, they're like they're kids. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I was like 30 at the time, and these guys are like in their low to you know low 20s, and I'm like. Uh, dude you win because this is awesome stuff for anybody to be coming out with yeah i think the interesting thing with tame impala is is it is kevin parker like it's it it is him i know and i didn't know that i figured it was a band right yeah i mean that i kind of did too at first and obviously when he plays live he plays with a band Mm -hmm. um we talked about it a little bit on uh when we did uh lonerism uh, he does have a couple guys that will sort of they've put in little parts here and there, like on a song or two. I think there was like one or two guys and I have their names in my notes down a little farther. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much it's it's just him. But kind of what he said was it was like there was a group of guys in Australia, basically, that they all just kind of had their own projects and their own bands. Which is and a lot like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Lizard honestly, Wizard. because yeah. like those guys all have side projects and stuff too, but that was the thing that made it. And same with Tame Impala. Yeah. Well, he said even too, he's like, you know, we're all kind of, you know, a circle of friends. And he's like, I don't feel bad doing the recording by myself because I don't expect, um, you know, that I have input in their bands. He's yeah, like, I, sure. I'm doing what I'm doing. They're, sure. they're doing what they're doing. And. You know, he's just like Tame Impala is just Kevin Parker's project. Everyone has a project. So and it just so happens um, that his project is pretty damn awesome. It's pretty I mean. badass. Well, I'm sure you read about sort of the recording of this album oh. and it sounds absolutely beautiful. It sounds and like amazing. a dream. Like, yeah. like everything you would want to do in recording an album. I mean, you have access to this house with a 180 degree view of the Indian Ocean and That's and right. I really enjoyed um I'm glad they did this too. Just a lot of the footage that was available of that. I, I mean that that is so cool to be able to see what he was doing or they were doing because there were other people there. Yep. I, I yeah, mean that, no. that's that's really cool. Oh, it is, absolutely. And dude, there was like no internet, no phone reception, no TVs. Just completely kind of, you know, complete solitude, pretty much. And the way I think it was initially reported, though, is that, you know, it was a mansion. And he's like, "Eh, actually, it was like a big wooden house and the roof leaked, the power cut out. So, like, he had his, um, I I guess he's, I think he had an eight track machine there. And he was like, yeah, he would lose 
you know, it would cut out in the middle of a recording. He lost oh, tracks and stuff like that. Dude. So it wasn't like this. It wasn't in a its total own, dream. <laughs> yeah. In its own way, I'm sure um, looking back on it, it was uh, a really romantic period for for him and, and for the recording. But, um, you know, having to go through that, he was like, yeah, we put plastic coverings and stuff over equipment so that if stuff leaked on it, oh. it, it, it wouldn't like, you know, short circuit and, and, and fry out. Now, that would but be a, a nightmare to me. The equipment. Oh, dude, part, it'd be awful. Like, yeah, that's... it'd be awful. But apparently this house kind of had, had a history of uh, people recording music there and just kind of raves and drugs and stuff like that. So it was sort of, I guess, this kind of party right. house yeah. and and the people who rented it to him. I guess sort of knew that, you know, they, they seem to be okay with it being used for that. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the cool things though, that I found out was that he actually, during the pandemic bought this house. Now that's awesome. Which is really cool. Cause I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he's got a, a, a good, uh, a pocket full of coin. Yeah. He could probably fix the roof career. at this point. Probably, I bet he could fix the roof, maybe proper electricity. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in looking at the videos, I don't think the house seemed like shitty or anything. I mean, it just uh, it, it was what it was. Maybe it had fell into it kind pro- of a state of disrepair to a degree. Sure. Because, yeah. dude, if you don't have someone who is constantly maintaining a vacation home, they will do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been on an episode of Cribs, but it, it would be pretty cool, I bet. Just yeah. the, the whole idea. I mean, I think I think a lot of people out there who are, you know, musicians um, have this. Well, a lot of people have the idea. Initially, I think you first want to get into the studio, right? You're like, yeah, oh, I sure. want to be in the studio yeah. because that's that's where the know, magic happens. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. And then you hear about all these bands being like, yeah, I want to get out of the studio. You know, I mean, the Stones did it with Exxon on Main Street. Dude, Radio uh, has did it with OK Computer. And Kid and Kid A. And yeah. Kid A. And yeah. And STP did it with, uh, I believe, with Purple, if not Purple, Tiny Music. Oh, it must have been Purple because there was that video of them playing Pretty Penny. Yes. Um, recording in the that house. It looks I mean, like it was a living room or something. Right, right. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? With oh, Blood yeah. With Sugar Sex Magic. So, I mean, there's just so many stories of that. And it's 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 pretty cool, man. Well, it's because pretty, this, I, I, this idea that when you're doing something like this and you're putting so much of yourself into it, um, I can see the 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 real draw into something where like I don't necessarily want to leave. I will want right. to stop working and take a break yeah. and go to sleep right. or hang out and kind of party or whatever. But like I want to be able to jump back into it whenever I want. And exactly. that's that's really cool. And you know, another thing too to mention that I would say about this is he like okay, Dave Friedman mixed the album, which he right. did a fantastic, fantastic job of, as you would expect. But dude, Kevin Parker, I mean, produced this, and yeah. for someone who doesn't have a history of you know producing albums and big name studios and stuff, for him to just like hole up in a house and come out with this album. I, dude, you got to give him credit. That that is oh, hell yeah. incredible. Like it's right. it, it is. I I think as I read, um, uh, let me see. It looks like Pitchfork named it the eighty third best album of the decade so far when it came out, or or, or in two thousand fourteen is when they named it that. Oh, okay. 
I think it's better than that myself. Yeah, I well, I have a tough time because I personally I think I like lonerism better, but I, you know, this one it's just. But yeah, this one's just so good. I mean, it is. To, to me, I, to me, I kind of think of them, since I since I got introduced to them both at the same time, those were the two that were out. I kind of think of them as almost one and the same, even though I I know they're not and very different, you know, um, you know, just very different. But I, I just think of them as one and the same. I really, really do. Um, but again, going back to that, to the sort of the house thing. And like you were talking about the production. Cool thing about a house is you hear about people recording in different rooms and different yeah. places and everything. But dude, he recorded some stuff on the balcony, just like overlooking the ocean. Like how badass is that? Right? Well, I did see that, but it's funny because I thought about that and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. How do you not hear any, you know, background wind. noise from the ocean yeah. or wind, but it's, he's like out there playing electric guitar tracks, which is great because you get the feeling of the air going in, but ultimately your mic is up to an amp. So like, right. That's Your recording point. take is crisp and clean. However, you have this amazing like vibe that you would never get elsewhere. Right. It's not like you're playing your acoustic and that's mic'd right up front and like there's the yeah. ocean breeze and stuff. And yeah, you can just yeah, run a couple. You can run a yeah. cable into the house and just have that yeah. have a blanket over the mic yeah. and that thing's as, as quiet right. as can well, be. Well, here's. Here's the thing, even if he did record outside with the mic and everything, he's got so many noises, whoosh, yeah, just oh, crazy true. synth sounds, you true. probably wouldn't even notice most of it. So, Now, one uh, thing that I wanted to mention that I think is interesting is that he had some sort of a digital, I think it, it did mention an 8-track. Eight 8-track eight machine, yeah. It is kind of hard for me in many ways to believe that a lot of these songs were only 8-tracks um, because they sound incredible. I know from having a digital eight track myself, a lot of times you can record a certain amount of things and get them bounce, sounding right. like you want and bounce them down into like two tracks or something and then right. build on that. Um, but man, to, to think that, that that limitation existed and then what came out of it is even more incredible, honestly. Right. Well, it does say that he, he recorded... Um there were, you know, he recorded at this house, but then there's a place called Poon's Head Studio and actually at the Parker's house, I think at his parents' house, even he recorded some there. So I'm wondering maybe even if he went to the studio, you know, if he has the eight track, he could have dumped that off, maybe dumped it off into the computer. And then, yeah, you know, true. maybe you lay on some tracks on top of that. So if anybody out there knows like anything more about that, definitely let us know because that's I, I definitely have done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to hear how different people, you know, you, you have this eight track or 16 track, whatever the track tracks you have and all the creative ways of trying to like get around it and everything. And you really have to think through the process like, OK, I have these tracks and I can bounce these down, but I can't really go back to them. So I have to be very selective about what ones you're going to do. There's a whole uh, progression to it, dude. I will tell you that, like, um, just the idea of signal routing like how you're you're routing all your inputs into a board and how that goes into your record. I mean, dude, that that is kind of an art in and of itself, because if you don't have your signal routing right, you can really blow a recording like real. Right. Quick. I bet. I bet. So Well, so, you know, one of our favorite guys and you mentioned Dave Friedman uh, mixed mixed the album and 
thing was is you know kevin parker he he intended to kind of record it and mix it produce it do everything everything himself but he said that he couldn't he couldn't get it the explosive sound that he wanted and so he was a little hesitant to you know hey i've just spent so much time and energy and blood and sweat and everything recording producing and getting it to where it's at you know handing that over to somebody is a very Not to say that, hey, if Friedman did it and he didn't like it, he wouldn't have had to, you know, keep it. But, you know, just handing your sort of your your canvas, your canvas over to somebody and be like, hey, polish this up. Uh, I don't know, man. I know. Yeah. Well, I I, that was one thing I was debating on what to talk about here. And I had different ideas before watching those YouTube videos of him recording it. Mm -hmm. And. Listening to the album in my head, what I heard was a lot of analog tape saturation. And I was going to like make this whole example of it and, and you know, play examples. Uh, the reason I'm not is because I think that the stuff that I hear as analog tape saturation is probably most likely either done through like outboard analog gear where you kind of jack it up and it's not necessarily a tape machine or Mm -hmm. it's done with plugins because if he recorded everything on some sort of a digital A track, you cannot get that analog tape grid. With yeah. with a digital machine, the mm. the distortion is not the same. So I, I again, if anyone knows, I would love to have insight as to how they got that sound because to me the sound that they that they got is really pure. But I don't think it was because it was done totally on pure. tape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why do they have to make this stuff so pure? So pure. Um, well, dude. So one of the things that I thought was kind of funny is. Um, so iTunes accidentally released the album and they made it available to buy instead of pre-order. So it was kind of released earlier than it was supposed to be. Also, there was uh, there became a leaked copy of it on the Internet, oh, but it was like a month earlier, but it was really poor. And Kevin Parker was like, the thing that he was actually upset about is that not that it was leaked, but that it was leaked in bad quality. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, it's like it's like, hey, at least if you're gonna leak it, could you at least hi-fi? Yeah. Come on, yeah, right. This is high fidelity, high fidelity. the highest possible fidelity. Highest possible. is what you want. Yeah, yeah, that well, is that that would irritate the hell out of me too. And I get his point because it's not like the album wasn't gonna be amazing. Yeah, but damn, at least put out the good version. Well, dude, so he initially wanted this album to be a double album, but he well, said he let. He lacked the motivation the, to make it. <laughs> I do have the vinyl right here, and the vinyl is a double vinyl. Well, it is a double vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so I guess what happened was, though, again, <laughs> I feel like he had a little bad luck. iTunes released it early. Uh, a month before, the audio was was released early at poor quality. Also, many of the demos were leaked onto YouTube in unmixed form. Oh, so interesting. It, you know, and um, they were actually apparently going to end the album if it was going to be a double they were going to end it with a cover song um what is it the alls for everything these all for everything by fleetwood mac (laughs) well hold on though and i don't know but i could say that fleetwood mac went through two very different phases 
There is like, we'll say like the rumors Fleetwood Mac and there is Fleetwood Mac prior to that. And right. Fleetwood Mac Very prior to that was like a nasty blues band. And I heard some of their stuff on a local radio station a while ago. And I remember going onto the Internet and I'm like, I have to know what is playing right now because this is this is awesome shit. Really? And wow. it was it was Fleetwood Mac from their first album. And Kirby. this is what's great about it, dude. They have two self-titled albums. I know. Two of them. I know. Yeah. And it was from their first self-titled album. That's which cool. is it's real gritty. So I, I would hope that it was more than likely from that era. Right. So a, a lot of this, um, there was a really great Kevin Parker interview. And it was if you have if you have Apple Music on, I, I believe this is where I heard it. It was either on Apple Music or maybe it was Spotify or I don't remember what it was. But if you look for like extras and stuff in, yeah. on on iTunes or whatever, they have this audio interview and basically they play like the majority of the album, but then in between songs, they'll have like this interview exchange. And Do you he know who says, the interviewer is? I forget. I forget. He was Australian. Shocker. Zane uh, Lowe? Oh, he's, I, I, I don't think know. he's from New Zealand, but. Okay. Well, it could be New Zealand. Sorry. Uh, but dude, he basically said that, um, you know, this, this album, he, he had spent, like the last five years smoking weed in the back of a, he called, you know, they call it a share house, but I imagine a house, you know, with roommates and stuff. And, um, you know, he was just so almost, he said, cripplingly, crippling, cripplingly shy and musically arrogant. And like he cut out, basically stripped away everyone in his life that basically wasn't like about music or it was just kind of like an extra or something like that. Like he was just so incredibly focused Wow. Um, and his life was really about writing music and or writing songs and making music. So it's like he just kind of said, you know what? Screw everybody. I'm going to keep my circle very small and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And he does talk a lot about, I think, when we, and if anybody wants to watch our lonerism uh, episode, I believe. I mean, it's called lonerism, but he talks about when they were on tour for that. He almost didn't know how to interact with other people and other bands and stuff because he's just like, he's just not a social outgoing person. Well, I right? could get that because I, I watched an interview with him, I think, well after like Currents and stuff with, was done. I think he was talking with Rick Rubin, maybe uh, on the Broken Record podcast. And he okay. kind of he kind of indicated that that there was this bit of like social anxiety and, you sure. know. Well, but and, I, dude, I, it worked out for him. I mean, absolutely. Shit. Well, he does smoke a ton of weed. It sounds like, and it, for him. In, interestingly enough, though, for this album, this is kind of funny. He's like, he's like, I never got stoned to write music. It was just getting stoned was just something we did all the time. Anyways, we just hey, and then you just, just happen just happened to be stoned. It's not like hey, yeah, I'm gonna get stoned yeah. to write music. I just 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 happened to be like this. So, I've been there. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, dude, I want to talk to and in briefly, but about the artwork, because I think I've oh, always true. thought the artwork for this true. album was just incredible. And that was one of the things that he relinquished from his own tasks and had someone else do um, in this case. Um, and bear with me, Leif Podhachki. Podhachki. I'll go with that. But it's interesting because the image is actually of somewhere in the Great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina, but it has that, it has what they call the Drosty effect 
where it's like a recursion of the image and it just goes and and they compared it to Pink Floyd's Amagama. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Which I think makes sense. I think the artwork for the album is beautiful. And it was like, oh, so, cool. you know, I had li- I had been listening to the album for a long time. But then when I saw the artwork, I'm like that. That's absolutely Sold. what it should be. Sold. Yep. Yeah. I'm in. It's perfect. Hooked. Hooked. Well, Graham, I think we should and probably get into a, the tracks. Here, yeah, we should. Yes. It also won an award, an area award for best but cover art. So it won several awards. Yeah. So it's not, well, it's not very late. So, so nice plug. All right. Got your Wayne's world plug in. Oh, got it in there. Graham, some things just aren't meant to be right. It yeah. is not meant to be track number one. What are your takeaways? What do you think? What do you like? Well, it's it's interesting to me. Uh, I, I like the song. I think it's a good way to start the album. I, I love how the drums come in and, and musically. I think it's great. But lyrically, I, I do feel like it kind of touches on this whole bit of like, um, like kind of making yourself a little isolated because it sounds to me like he's talking about a potential relationship with a girl that's not going to work. What does he say? She doesn't like sex up on her feet and sitting around smoking weed and weed. Like, yeah. <laughs> and mean, he's like, you know, I mean, look, if you can find that person, then get on you, mate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know, she also may not have like what I'd call a lot of career prospects either. So, I mean, yeah. you know, well, yeah, it, it is interesting because there's a line in here that I took away and I didn't realize this, um, but apparently his, I believe his father passed away from cancer. Oh, and happened happened pretty quickly. And there's a line that says, "And I thought they th- and I thought they could cure his disease, but in all honesty, he didn't have a hope in hell." Um, oh damn! Now now we'll never see him move. And dude, that that like brings a whole new perspective to that. It does, and wow. I never made that correlation. And I'm I'm fairly certain it was his dad who passed away. Um, you know, correct. Wow. I'm sure you will correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it sounds like it. I, Man, I feel really oh, that's bad. Heartbreaking. Gosh, maybe it was. I think it was his dad. It could have been a friend. Uh, I hope I didn't get it wrong. Well, either um, way, I mean, you know, we can't be someone who's close to, to him. Be, yeah, yeah, someone who's close to him. We can't be expected to be experts at everything. But all right, all the time. You know, with that said, and understanding that we're not experts at everything, I mean, give us a break and maybe go ahead and like, subscribe, and comment below. Okay. That would be because, really nice. you know, we're there's a lot of albums that we do and there's a lot of uh, like facts and figures to get straight. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not perfect. I, yeah. We're just, and we figure you guys, you know, who are super fans like, man, you, you got to know this stuff. Oh, yeah. So so, so throw us a ball. Please man. let us know. Just be nice yeah. about it. You know? Yeah. So anyways, um, desire, desire be, be desire, desire go. Uh, dude, this one is it. It has a little more grit, I think. I know, you know and this I, is like that tape saturation sound, man. I, yep. I mean, all the way. Yeah, guitar's got a lot of fuzz on it. Um, it does slip into sort of a you know a, a dreamy sound, which is which is sort a of a lot of them do though. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is sort of how I feel like I ca- characterize this album. Is it's just this super psychedelic, dreamy kind of uh, I don't know you know, flowy album and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's great. It's got some really good transitions and, you know, one thing he does in a lot of his songs, just talking about the album in general is the way he layers things over each other. I like know. all of a sudden it's just like, 
there's so much really going on. Job. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And there was a there was a, a EP. Um, I need to look up what the name of that EP was, but I believe it, it's self titled. No, it's Sundown Syndrome. I think. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I want to say on Sundown Syndrome, um, he had a few songs, I think, off of this album, but Desire Be Desire Go was one of them. But I think he actually, it said that he re-recorded this, if I'm not mistaken, so correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, But... Yeah, I, I mean, in the other one on that one that I, I wish, I wish they would have redone for this is, dude, half full glass of wine. God, is yeah. that a good well, freaking And I think he even said in one of the interviews or something I read, a lot of people actually think that that song is on this album. It should Cause, be. Because it's one that, that so many people know. Well, yeah, and see that one to me, I don't understand how that wasn't recorded on tape because he has this thing where he's hitting the hi-hat and it's really fast and there's this guitar part that's really fast and then everything slows down like you take the tape machine and you hit half speed and it just and then you get into the groove. And when I heard that, I was like, dude, all right, you win. That that is incredible. Yeah. So it should have been on the album, but wasn't. And Honestly, now that we're talking about it, if you look at the uh, Inner Speaker 10th anniversary release, I don't think it's on that one either. Which all is the, a, with all the extra tracks and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean they have the Wave House Live Jam, and uh, you know LP4 Side G is demos, but they don't have that one, which is crazy. Like I would argue, one of the best songs they did. But anyways, yeah. We can alter ego, Graham. Alter ego. Uh, dude, this song it starts off kind of like with a funny little, excuse me, a funny little synth synth sound. Yeah, and it was interesting when I was listening to it though. For some reason, I got really focused on the drums and the beat reminded actually me a lot of "Got It the Got to Be Above It," which is the first song oh, off, yeah. off of yeah, off of sure. Lonerism. Um, and dude, yeah, definitely, you know, lots of trippy synth and shakers and has like a, a long intro but man it, it it's i find with their songs again his his songs whatever it, sometimes you can get into a trance and i think this is one of those ones where where i definitely get yeah, into a trance for um, sure there's also a the record so there's sort of a lo-fi element obviously you, you know we talked about oh, yeah. how the album was recorded but in this track i feel like it kind of comes out a little bit but it works really well so that's mm-hmm. why it's not you know you're not like oh man this is you know, we recorded this down in Wayne's basement, although that's not Wayne's basement. Yeah. Isn't that weird. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like the I like the sentiment of it because he was like, um, I, I don't have the lyrics in front of me. I should have pulled them up. But he was he is something to the effect of like, uh, don't bother telling me that you're all you're meant to be. I mean, which is nice because it, it kind of like speaks of this idea of like growth throughout your life. Right. Which I, I think is, is pretty cool. It is cool. So, dude, with Lucidity, I kind of wanted to talk about the music video. Isn't that... Dude, it's it's hard to watch. It's very disorienting. And if people get dizzy, I recommend just... Do they, you know, they put one of those warnings on the front of it? I don't think they do. I don't think it was like a seizure thing. But they oh. definitely, you know, it's... At first, I was like, oh, man, how do they do it? And then, you know, you, you kind of learn... It's, it's, it's basically one of those big balloons that goes up 
goes up into space and it yeah, yeah. you know had a camera on it i don't know what kind of camera it could have been a gopro or something i mean it you can tell it has sort of like a fisheye lens because like a very, weather balloon it's bended around the corners yeah. Uh, yeah yeah something like that and so um it is like I, it's it's a cool video but it is definitely hard hard to watch sometimes yeah. I, I i you know i, I wouldn't watch it on repeat like michelle gondry's i understand that um for this one this was one of, I mean, there were a handful of songs that when I first listened to this album that they grabbed me like Desire Be, Desire Go, and this one too, because it again, it has that real like like analog saturated mm-hmm. kind of nasty fuzzy sound. But dude, I also felt like when I heard it, I'm like, man, this this guy kind of has this like reminiscence of John Lennon. In his oh. in his vocals. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of people said that it's not sure. like I'm just uh, you know I didn't just like. Oh my god, I never thought. <laughs> yeah, drop some huge knowledge on people. Whoa, but this was one that I think really when I heard it, I'm like, man, that that is, wow. Well, uh, you know, m- moving on, uh, the, you were just talking about some of the songs that that caught you and the next two really caught me this first one being why don't you make up your mind that when when i started listening to it really really got to me i think yeah just give the, me a sign you know the, the psychedelic synth and some of those guitar yeah. licks man um and it's interesting talking about his vocals a little bit again like they're on this song they're very thick with a lot of echo and that's something he does and i think he talks about again being shy and i think a little introverted he I th- I think he's been kind of quoted as saying that, you know, his singing, he was a little sort of kind of embarrassed about it. You know, he's not a huge, not a huge projector. If you've seen him live and stuff, I remember the first couple times I saw him live and I was like, oh, man, I wish I could hear him, like hear him better, oh, hear yeah, his better. voice better. Yeah. And it's not that it wasn't mixed wrong, but it was just, you know, there's so much going much- on, such a full song, yeah. uh, full sound. Um, but well, and uh, if you have somebody who has a. I, I don't want to say like a quiet voice, but but a softer. voice that that just doesn't project as well. And, and they're playing rock music. It's hard to get that to Do like both yeah. blast out with the rest of the band without you know some nasty feedback or something. Right. Well, dude, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Sometimes I I, I think it was in this song I noticed it. Sometimes I can't tell if um, I mean, there's a lot of synth, but I'm like I, I can't tell if it's like him playing a guitar through some sort of effects pedal or if it's a crazy synth. I'm like, what the hell is that? It sounds great. I, know, but I don't know what it I know. is. I think there's kind of a mixture of a lot of it. Um, when I watch the videos, I mean, it's obvious that he had a lot of stuff, but he didn't have like some huge modular Moog or some big thing. And the thing is, with some of those pedals, you can get a lot of really interesting synth like sounds out of your guitar. Sure. And I feel like, especially at this time, I mean, now I think he's moved over more to the synth kind of realm overall. Yeah, yeah. But at this time, I would be willing to wager that a lot of those sounds were made on on the guitar. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Sure. That's that's just a guess, an estimation. Yes. Well, I'd like to move on to Solitude is Bliss. I think for for me, I think this might be my favorite song off the album. Um, oh, really? I just, yeah, I just wow. th- that. OK, I just love the opening guitar part and guitar riffs. I, I just think it's 
It's really, really cool, man. I, yeah, I, I, I really do like, like this it. song a lot. The the drum has a it has a nice way of really tightening it up. You know, once it kind of kind of comes into the the main uh, verses, I think the way it tightens up is really nice. Definitely, and I, I just love that line. Company's okay, solitude is bliss, and yeah, I kind of right? get it because, dude. As much as I like people and I feel like kind of extroverted, like I can certainly just want to just shut the curtains and tune everything out and just be yeah. in this room with equipment and like just work on stuff. So I, I get Definitely. it. Definitely. Or record podcasts. I mean, you know. yeah, yeah. 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 So. Um, all right. So the next song in this one, I put an asterisk by it because it wasn't on the original CD. This is a song Island Walking. It actually wasn't on the original CD. But here's the thing. If you put it in your computer, apparently, a web page would pop up that was featured that and it would that played this song. It featured this track. And then also um Live at the Corner, which I guess is a like a, oh, wow. a, a live show. So the corner is um the corner hotel in Melbourne. Um, oh, okay. Must have must have played a show there. And then also had some music videos. So it was kind of like an extra sort of track. Now, and now I'll be I, honest. Oh, go on. No, no. Yeah, I was going to say like it's it's um it's a good it's a really good song. And um, I think, uh, you know, I kind of I always figured it was on the album because every time I listened to it, like it was this is just on the iTunes version. Oh, so. that's interesting because I've heard it. But um, I I don't use iTunes music, so therefore I don't hear this when I listen to the album. And I can tell you it is not on the LP. It's not. Okay. Interesting. Not. Interesting. Well, one thing about it. And no, it's not. Yeah. One thing that I really like about this song is um, there's a part where, dude, and again, this will go back to 60s psychedelic, man. Um, psychedelia, psychedelic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dude, really has some cream influence. And oh it just, yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Okay, it's it's kind of that nasty guitar stuff that uh, Clapton would do sometimes, and it, man, it's got it's got a lot of that influence dude, to it. The woman tone, the woman tone, yeah, the woman tone. Look up uh, this this after the podcast. This guitar tone called the woman tone. I wish I would have got my Les Paul out because. On on Gibson guitars, and I think in the video, there's a video on YouTube where Clapton describes what the woman tone is. Um, but they use these type of uh, pickups called humbucking pickups, and they just they push a little hotter than than what we would call single coil pickups, which are on like a Fender Strat or Telecaster, like those kind of guitars. And so what that what Clapton would do is there's two pickups typically. I mean, some have three, but most of them there's two. There's one by the bridge, and that mm -hmm. has kind of like the higher, more shrill tones. And there's one by the neck, and that has like kind of the fatter tones. And what he would do is switch it all the way to the neck pickup, but then get rid of one of the tone sets. So it was like a mixture of taking that pickup, but trying to push the tones out of it that like weren't inherently in it. Right. And it would make that sound that you hear in like Disraeli gears a lot um, with sure. like outside women blues and like that. I, I can't really describe it, but look up this, this video called the woman tone and it, okay. dude, it's, it's so cool. Sounds great. Yeah. But Maybe don't look that up on a work computer because you never know what's going to show up. So just that's true. 
before yeah, one. Maybe end up with like safe for work porn, which is also funny. Exactly. So um Jeremy Storm, which is an instrumental grim. Now, one thing about this song is I feel like I hear some some wind noises in it. And obviously that that could be a synth, or probably is a yeah. synth. But then it got me thinking, I'm like, all right, if you were gonna record wind. How do you record wind? Because wind and microphones don't really like play very nice together. Well, yeah, it's the only thing I could think of is if. Is if in this house. um, You could record wind from a microphone pointing outside, but not necessarily being exposed to the wind. So as the wind goes by certain things, you get that you get the real wisp of it. But without the wind actually going into the baffle of the microphone to right. make the, you know, yeah. to make that sound. And dude, honestly, I, I think for a long time, I thought that this was going to be my scratch. Ooh. Okay. But then as I as I read more about the album and did more research and watched him uh, like record and and play some of these things and looked at that house and that view mm-hmm. I could just I, I just had this imagination of just coming up with this riff and recording this song as the storm is coming in off that of would... the ocean and then as the storm gets heavier you get into the heavier part of the song because the dude it gets dark I yeah. dude it does and once once I kind of had that vision I, I was like there's no way you could scratch that yeah so dude, it, spoiler yeah. alert that's not gonna be my scratch yeah. well it reminds me of something like early almost like early Pink Floyd like Pink something Floyd they, yeah they, sure. they would come up with like, like it would have been know, on Piper yeah, yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah freaking Piper all right expectation Graham. yeah dude this did you watch the video for this i did not i okay. do apologize for that i did yeah. not so so it is pretty cool man it's like they recorded it out in the woods just like you know just like your standard music video where people are playing okay. and lip syncing but then the way they have it set up is like they they must have taken two or three cameras that basically you can't really see the stitches and it put it on some sort of like center console thing. When you and say the stitches, you mean see the other camera the, in the, the shot? The, the, the seams. Um, oh, um, the seams. OK, so, so okay. basically it's I got you. You could you could take it and kind of it seems like that's what they did. Like you could almost unfold it and you could see everything. So it's like that's sweet. it's like they put it almost like the cameras in a, in the in the center and then it just oh, starts and rotating just and it starts rotating. And as it rotates, though, like you can still see everyone and everything. It's they I do a couple like other. I did watch this. Now they do a couple other. Describe that. Yeah, they do a couple other cool things and cool effects and and whatnot. It's just I don't know. I mean, dude, for probably not having a budget or anything, it's like somebody was like, "Yeah, all right, let's do this." And yeah, yeah that's pretty. Let's cool. go to the let's go to the woods. Let's smoke some weed. Let's turn our cameras on. You know, yeah. we're really riding the bikes. Let's do it. Yeah, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Um, all right, Grim. The Bold Arrow of Time. My favorite song on the album. This is I, after I said Dude. Solitude is Bliss. I was like, ooh, I don't know. This one's good. Dude, God, that that guitar riff is like oh. that. That is Dude. most reminiscent to me of like the woman tone kind of. Dude. And it just so thick, Dude. Dude. It's so dark and sexy, man. And. But I then it kind of goes yeah. into these psychedelic, you know, it, it, it does. really, 
That riff so, is so hot, dude. So, dude, mm. um, I and you don't watch a lot of TV, but you may remember, you know, a few years ago, these eighteen hundred commercials, tequila, with Ray Liotta, oh. and he'd 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 walk in, and this was the riff that it dude. was it was the opening riff from this song, as um, it should when, be after the, he'd like. You know, there'd be like this little scene and then he'd like there's this one of the videos is he walks into a bar, he orders his eighteen hundred, and then there's like these two guys at the end of the bar and they're like drinking, you know, vodka martinis or some crap, right? And he just and looks at him, he's like, Yeah. And so you know, then he gets his his shot or whatever. But um but actually one thing that reminds me the again, going back to cream a little bit, um, the song Swabbler. Um, oh yeah yeah uh, she walks like a bearded rainbow yeah yeah there's the riff reminds me of this a little bit it's yeah yeah i just like this riff better and and what i like is how it it starts with just one guitar and then there's like an octave below it and then there's like a bass and then there's like fuzz and when it all just comes in it's just so thick dude and that is that is like that tape saturation sound Oh, so now, good. regardless of, of this whole business that I've discussed probably too much at length about this analog saturation, I am going to put my money on that they had tube amps and that they cranked those tube amps because tube amps, when you crank them up, they really break up like that. And if you can crank those shits up, they can really distort very much in the same way because it's it's analog equipment that you're right. pushing to the point where it's not necessarily meant to be pushed. Nope. But it's so awesome when you do push. It. All right, Grim runaway houses, city clouds. Yeah. Um, long song. I feel, yeah, it's but seven I feel minutes, like it, it's almost like, it's almost like the continuation, like Jeremy storm is still going on. Oh, you yeah. know, and like this is like the continuation of that. The continuing because- story of Jeremy Storm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure all you Beatles fans got that reference. I hope so. Because if, if you, you didn't, didn't dude, uh, watch over. the White Album ep- episode there, cousin. Yeah, it'll really help our statistics. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I mean, um, I, I like the song because I think it goes, it has kind of that. Um, Similar to the bold arrow of time where there's these heavy parts and mm-hmm. then there's these like psychedelic breaks kind of and Yep. All that stuff. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, dude, it definitely and then there's this just really, really long jam at the end. So it's um yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Um last song, I don't really mind. Oh, dude, I don't either. I love this song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely it's it's uh, it has a real upbeat feel to it, man. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of like the uh, I like the way he sings, but I really like the way he sings the part, you know, but I don't. And then there's like there's kind of like this beat, really, right? It, it just leaves it, you know, right. The, you know, he just like leaves it sit there for a second. And really? Mad. Yeah, it's so cool. But man. I don't. Yeah, and yeah. I one thing I've really noticed about this song, and this is a real like nerdy thing. Um is the snare drum it it has something where they 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 produce the snare drum hits in a way where it almost like gets bigger with the with the hit which is um 
You know, I I, I, I don't want to that stood out to me. Yeah, I don't want to say reminiscent of uh, what they would call in the '80s as gated reverb, which I'm sure we'll get into that in an album. That that's a whole different thing. But it's it's similar <clears throat> in the sense that when you when they would produce stuff with gated reverb, like the sound instead of like if you look at a snare drum on on like a digital recording software. There's a there's a big hit and then it sinks down quick because of that, right? But it's almost like with this one they have that initial hit and it almost like grows a little bit from that before it yeah. cuts out abruptly. I got gotcha. you. And it's I know it sounds nerdy and that's just me, but uh, it it's interesting to hear that and to think about how they how they made that because it almost becomes like a sweep, like you know, yeah, right. Right. So it is cool. Sorry for that tangent, but it's all good. I, I like good, the snare drum. And I like that weird synth break in the middle. Yeah. There is that, you know, it's just real uh yeah. you know, fuzzed it out. It's like real thick. Yeah, real And there's thick. almost like it sounds like bird. It's not bird. Yeah, there's all these strange like, noises in the background. Yeah, and like stuff. little like birds tweeting or something. Yeah. And, then, and then it cuts right back into but I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> really mind. All right, Graham, we are at the end of the album. It is time to scratch this. I oh. have no idea who scratched last, so why don't you scratch first? Okay. Um, it's not a trick question. Well, yeah, I know, I know. And this is, you know, like they're all hard ones. Some are easier than others. This yeah. is a hard one because I think yeah. this is this album is is so wonderfully done and how I, there there is such a consistency of sound yet it still is all different. Definitely. Um I'm going to scratch expectation. Oh, okay. Expectation. Yeah. And and it's again, it's not because I don't like the song, but it just that that kind of jumpy that uh, 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 it just. um, Well, I don't know if if I had to go from Jeremy Storm into the bold arrow of time, like I would not be pissed off. Well, it's funny you say that because I feel like after Jeremy Storm. Just having this continuation of this dark, sexy kind of, you know, yeah intro would that would really work that would really work so but jeremy storm is the easy one to me and that's why when i once i watched yeah. those videos and i saw how he recorded the album and i thought of if just like sitting there plucking around on your guitar as the storm's coming in and writing that song and i was like okay not happening i like yeah. I, I like this yeah and not that i didn't like it before but right i like yeah. that scene i Totally. And and I actually had Jeremy Storm on my live a, a few here because I thought we might go into overtime. So I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, and Jeremy Storm was one of them. But after you kind of you sold me on the story, man, I, 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 I kind of dig that. I really, really dig that. Um, but so I'm going to go with uh, Runaway Houses, City Clouds. Um, ah, I, I, you I know, understand that. I'm definitely not going to give you a WTFITS on that one because yeah. <laughs> that was probably like my B for scratching. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me is uh, it, it is it a is longer long. song, it, and yep. and not that I mind. Hey, I love it. I mean, dude, we got, I could listen to Shine on You Crazy. Oh yeah, Diamond dude, I don't, I don't really mind. But, yeah, um, yeah, I don't really mind. 
Um, but for me, I, I guess compared to the other songs, it doesn't really do anything. And I could easily go from the bold arrow, bold arrow of time right Dude, into I don't really mind and ride in, fade I, out. I cannot argue with that logic. Can't argue with that logic. Yeah. Why would you want to? Well, I think that's, um, you know, about to wrap it up, but we want everyone down below. We obviously know you've already liked, like, subscribe, and comment but we'd below. love for you to comment below and let us know what track you would scratch. Let us know what track is your favorite. Let us know what uh, Tame Impala album is your favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I would like know? that too. And and I, I really like that Maybe you rank said, em. let rank us em. know what yeah. you would scratch and what's your favorite, because I'm always interested to know people's favorites. And I think... Yeah. We kind of neglected that ourselves early on, and I'm glad yeah. that we kind of highlight that now. So please do. Exactly. Exactly. Well, all right, Grim. This was another fantastic episode. I'm glad we finally oh. got it out. Oh um, yeah, it was because there uh, was some technical difficult. I mean, we had our own power internet outages, outages. on this one, and like last episode. month when we tried to record it. Yeah. Yeah, so. and then today almost kind of went awry too. So here oh, we dude, are. Dude, there was about a billion things that could have gone wrong. So let's just make sure. Let's just stop it now while we've got it. Yeah. In the can. All right. Batteries so. are running, and yeah, they are. Yes. All right. It's time to go. Thank you for hanging with us. Scratcher Track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore and the Tims. Copyright 2021. The Dude and Grim Show. 